Welcome to the Reseller Entrepreneur, the podcast for reseller hobbyists eager to turn reselling into a successful business. Learn from Mike and other reseller entrepreneurs as they share their experiences and tips on running an online business. Here's your host, Old Fashioned Mike. Thank you for joining. It's been a very, very slow marketplace for a lot of uh, buyers and sellers. Well, probably not buyers, but sellers over the past few weeks. You know, we're in the middle of the summer slowdown. They they talk about all the time, and uh, I have been experiencing as well. Not quite as bad as uh, um, last month, but certainly not where I would like to be. And you're probably running into the same thing. And if you're not, great for you. Please tell me what you're doing. Um, but I'm doing all the right things, I think. And and um, and if you've been listening to this podcast, you're probably doing them as well. So just to, to recap, you know, obviously you want to do as much promoted listings as possible to get your your items out there so people see them. You want to uh, you know offer coupons um, or other discounts, uh, you know, so that other buyers see that you're doing that. You want to maintain your rankings, so you want to make sure that you're still a top-rated seller. So you're offering, you know, uh, one or two day. I think the two days max um, handle time, and uh, you know, if if appropriate, even shorter than that. So I do one day, for instance, and just make sure you're hitting your numbers. So that's going to help. Obviously, choosing the right inventory. And making sure that you consistently list, like we've talked about, that's going to help you. And to make sure that you're just making sure you're shipping on time and uh, and then keeping your account healthy otherwise. Okay. So the past week, I was out in Spain uh, on, a, on something uh, other than reselling. And uh, during that time, I uh, used the new uh, time away feature. And so I'm going to say that um, I didn't expect this to work, but it actually did really, really well. Uh, so I actually, ahead of time, you have to do it a few days ahead of time, said that I was going to be out. And then what happened is is that it automatically adjusted my shipping times so that I didn't uh, run afoul with the metrics, which is fantastic. I did not expect that. So if you remember what it used to be like, you used to have to actually change your handling times manually and then basically, uh, you know, monitor that. And it, it really did have an impact on your sales. And I definitely thought that the, uh, advanced, the, um, additional handling time did impact my sales. I sold, uh, probably about half of what I would normally sell, uh, during the week. But the nice thing is, is that I didn't have to go ahead and mess around with it every, every day, which is fantastic. You can still make offers. You can do all that stuff. Um, I think there was only one hiccup and that's only because I made an offer the day before I left. And so, uh, and they accepted that offer. And then all of a sudden the clock was on. And so I had to, you know, do some, you know, negotiating with the, the buyer in this case, which worked out fine. And so, but I will tell you the time away feature works. I am so pleasantly surprised. And so don't be afraid, you know, obviously you don't want to do this. I think the maximum you can do if you keep your store open for sales is 10 days, um, and 15 days or, um, if you are uh, taking it offline completely, but the point is, is it does work, which is great. But during this week, I had a lot of, you know, planning time. What, what am I, I going to do over the next, you know, year 
um, to really kind of get my business exactly where it needs to be. And so um, I have a couple announcements. Um, one is, you know, this podcast is fantastic uh, to do. I love doing it. I don't, I don't know whether or not you like it, but if you like it, please let, let me know. Um, I do get emails, which is fantastic, but my ratings, the number of ratings I have, I, I got two ratings. One was a one and one was a five. So, so, you know, please, uh, on, on Apple podcast specifically, if you're listening on that, go in and rate this. Now, obviously I'd like the five stars, but you know, um, do what you think is fair. And, uh, you know, it just helps in the algorithm to move forward anyway. So what I thought I'm going to do is I'm going to scale back this, uh, this podcast a little bit. And so let me explain that. Um, I am still going to do this podcast probably every, every other week now, as opposed to every week. And the reason why I'm doing that is because I realized that I do have to take time out of my week to do this podcast and I want to give you good content and I'm running a foul, of that, I think sometimes because I'm in a rush because I, I, I am really, really busy during the week. And next thing you know, it's Sunday when I do the podcast and I have to come up with something really, really quick. And sometimes that's good. And sometimes it's not so good. So, um, I, I'm going to do it every other week. Um, we're going to start we're all obviously from this time forward. So, um, you know, I'll, you know, just, I don't know. I'll announce it. You'll, you get, you get uh, notifications anyway, if you're subscribed. So, um, Please uh, bear with me. I'm doing that for a reason, and the reason is this. Um, I am going to start um, my YouTube channel back up, and it's not for, the, it's not for being a reseller. It's the, the YouTube channel is going to be in my chosen area, which is you know antiques, uh, specifically paper antiques. And I'm going to basically go through and how to look at them and how to grade them and how, and you know, what, what is collectible and, and things like that. I'm going to, and that's really meant because it's going to be something that I'm going for, uh, buyers. I want the buyer to have a unique buying experience with my store. And I realize that if I'm going to put time and effort into doing that, which is what I suggest we all do, right? Um, then I'm going to need to take some time out to do that. And really this podcast is great, but I want to give you good content. So every other week is probably better. And then I'm going to do the other two weeks. I'm going to do them specifically for my buyers. Now, if you happen to be a buyer or you just want to see it anyway, and I'll, I'll advertise it on this channel so you can, when it's ready, um, so that you guys can, uh, can go and visit and I'd love to interact with you. Now it's going to be YouTube, uh, not podcast. And the reason for that, not that I think podcasting is bad, but I just think people need to see things, uh, unlike, uh, as a reseller, you know, we could talk about stuff. So anyway, I need those two weeks a month to be able to, to do that. So, um, Anyway, that's, that's kind of that announcement. Um, another announcement is I'm going to focus very heavily on the website. And that's not only the old fashioned Mike website, but also, uh, my store website. And the reason for that again is to bring in buyers. And of course the reseller one only because I, I, I want to be able to show you things that I'm doing that I'll be pasting uh, or, or putting that stuff on the website as well. So you could see what I'm doing. So that's, I mean, that's not a major announcement, but the, you know, more, more importantly, the first announcement uh, of, of reducing the number of podcasts, uh, was important. And I think impacts this, uh, this group anyway. So please, um, do listen and do, uh, rate this, um, podcast on either Apple or Google. It'd be really helpful for the algorithm. I am getting quite a few, uh, people subscribe because I see that. Um, but you know, uh, that one, that one who didn't like 
this podcast and I'm sure there's more than one, but the one that didn't take the time to rate it must not have liked me at all and gave me a one. And unfortunately what that does is just, it just pushes it down. So people can't discover this um, podcast. Now I did get a, a five, like I said, two at the same time, but I only have two. So that's not, that's not a lot of ratings. So if you can help out, that'd be great. Um, and if you don't, that's fine too. But anyway, so let's get to the content of the show. So I got an email um, from one of you and I'm, I'm not going to tell you who this person is cause I didn't ask, but, um, so, but let me read it. Um, so in my website, you know, you can go and contact me and it says, how can I help? And it says, Mike, I've been binge listening to your podcast over the last two weeks. Great. All caught up. That stinks, which means he needs more content. That's, that's what this is and thoroughly enjoy your content. Fantastic. I'm a new reseller. He's a hunter rather than a farmer and I'm part-time and would probably stay that way until I retire in 10 years. That's probably a good, a good thing. Um, if you have 10 years to go, you might as well, uh, finish out your career. Um, anyway, so, uh, he's part-time. He goes, my products range all over the board, clothes, electronics, tools, etc. The grind of my hunting while fun is kind of a drain on my Saturdays. Yes, it is. That's why I stopped. Um, but it does allow me to spend time with my daughter who got me started down this path. Your trans transition to close to paper got me thinking about other avenues that I can go down. Great. I'm going to say, so let me just go back. Hunter versus farmer. You got to listen to that episode. So go search for it. If you haven't heard it, hunters basically go out and find things that have high value and then they can go resell. And that's it. You have to look through a lot of stuff Whereas farmers, which is what I prefer, actually get stuff in bulk and then basically farm from that and then get rid of it. So anyway, so that's what he's looking into doing. So this brings us to his question. Uh, and he wants to know my thoughts. I've given him to him an email already, but I'm going to tell you too. He goes, I have a used CD DVD distributor that is on my way home from work. And he's offering Gaylords of CDs for a, a, a low number. I'm not going to say how much it is, but it works out to about 10 cents a, um, a CD. And um, let me tell you something. So I, I like this so far. So um, anyway, so for that, so he can get big Gaylords of, of CDs. However, when looking at other sellers, it's all over the board how they sell, bulk or individually. So ultimately, my question is, what is your opinion on CDs as a product and if you like the idea, would you sell them individually or sell them in bulk? And he's got plenty of room in the house for storage. Excellent. And all of his current inventory is in his, inside his garage. Okay. So this is a really good this thing. And there's a lot of people in this case that, um, that are running into the same situation where maybe books, CDs, whatever. So I like this. So I actually went on Terapeak also and looked at and says, what is the sell-through rate of CDs individually? Um and I like the individual route, and I'm going to tell you that in a minute why. But essentially, um, you know, he's able to get in large quantities. He's able to get it consistently. It's a low say, it's a low buy price. Um, it's got about a two and a half percent sell through rate, which is a lot lower than close. I get it, but two and a half. But he gets it in bulk. Okay, and so I say, so what do I favor? I I favor in going through and cherry picking all the CDs and DVDs that have um, a high sell-through rate and then basically bulk listing the rest of them. So that's kind of similar to what I do in postcards, for instance. What I do is I, I know that certain postcards from certain states, uh, certain themes like Christmas, for instance, uh, and Halloween, for instance, have certain like uh, uh, appeal 
to uh, to customers, and so they uh, so they buy a lot of those. But there's some other ones, like for instance, birthday cards, don't. So what I do is I bulk sell birthday cards. So I go through and I buy a big bulk, just like he's doing. I buy not Gaylord, but I buy you know large collections. And then what I go through is I go through and I say, okay, this this will sell, this will sell, this will sell, this will sell. And then I put those aside and then I take the rest of them, put them in a big box, and then I bulk sell them to other buyers. Now, mind you, bulk buyers on eBay, they're doing exactly what I'm doing. They'll t- they, they may look at it differently and they say, well, I like to sell these things. And I tell them in my description uh, what I'm selling. And so then they go out, not individually. In other words, I just say I have holiday cards, mostly focusing on birthday and I have, you know, certain towns or whatever, but you know, I basically sell them as a bulk, but it's the stuff that I don't want to sell. So to answer his question and hopefully answer your question is, is I would bulk buy, take all the stuff that you know, that's going to have a higher sell through rate than maybe the two and a half, but it won't be 25%, but it'll be, you know, higher than two and a half and then keep that stuff. And then bulk sell the rest so you can get it out of your house and then redeploy that money. And I'm finding that I could buy a collection for, let's say a thousand dollars. I'm throwing out a number there and I could, I could pull out of that 50% of the stuff and resell it individually and make my money way, you know, 20 times over. And, but then I could resell, let's say the 500 cards I didn't sell Instead of buying for a thousand dollars, maybe I sell for five hundred or six hundred dollars. So I make most of my money back, or a lot of my money back. I'm not gonna say most of it, but a lot of my money back on the bulk sale. So then, essentially, effectively, you're paying almost nothing for uh, each individual card that I sell. I would do the exact same thing in CDs, right? So go through Terapeak, look what sells a lot, and I'm gonna say CDs. I mean, if you were dealing with you know, um, vinyl, I think that you probably, that, that, um, number of keeps would probably be higher because I think that people specifically look for certain artists in vinyl, um, because it's cool. I don't know. Um, but in CDs it's probably less so because of the digital downloads versus CDs. I don't know if there's much of a big difference in quality and so on. Actually probably CDs would be higher quality, but, um, you know, certainly, uh, they're not as collectible. I guess that's where I'm trying to try to say, um, but you can do the exact same thing in CDs and you're going to, you will, you will definitely, uh, see the results similarly to what I've been experiencing cards. So I think that's a, it's definitely the buy price is right. The shipability we'll talk about in a second, um, is pretty good. It is a competitive market. So you're probably going to have to actually advertise, but you know, if you're getting them for, let's say 10 cents a piece and you're reselling them for 10 to 12 bucks, I think that is a really good margin. Um, so I, it's all good. Now, the question is, is that I, what I didn't see is how many people, matter of fact, let me do that really quick. 58% offer free shipping on, uh, on music CDs. So I'd say, um, so you're probably okay with maybe charging a small amount, uh, obviously have your handle times low. So I think that'll keep you in the top rated seller space. But if you, if you, um, try to recoup some of that stuff, uh, some of your costs into the the CDs, uh, the uh, shipping, then you, you can do that. I think that would probably be okay. Um, you know, I, I, you know, the problem you run into when you have high uh, free shipping rates is that you have some buyers who will search uh, and they'll click on free shipping only. And so your stuff won't show up. So that probably in this case, I would probably would offer free shipping um, and just price it in to the cost of your item. Um, in postcards, it's only about 20% that offer free sh- shipping. The rest of them are, are not free shipping. So I'm kind of, 
I'm, I'm experimenting with that right now, but I, you know, let's just say the results aren't what I expected them to be. But I think in this case, in the CDs, you probably have to. So let's get to the shipping portion of that. I think what you, you know, obviously I'm hoping that these uh, CDs are not loose, that they're in a, um, uh, you, you can put them in a sleeve. Um, I think you probably are going to have to then uh, get some kind of bubble wrap or something so it doesn't get damaged. So you can probably get the bubble wrap that's already built into the the sleeve. But you're definitely going to have to figure out the cost of, of shipping a CD um, in a, some kind of hard pack so it doesn't get damaged in shipment. But that being said, that's actually not too difficult. I'd say you're probably going to spend between, let's say, 15 to 20 cents uh, per little box that you send out. But the weight will be low, and so you could send it first class, and so it'll be you know anywhere let's say three so three dollars or so. So you might even want to experiment, see if it it qualifies for media mail. It actually might qualify for media mail, which will be even cheaper. So what you want to do is understand all those little shipping costs associated with that, and then build them into the price of your item. But I like this. I like I like the fact that you could do all this stuff, and the shipping isn't too out of hand. Um, and, and remember, farmers try to get a bunch of the same thing, and that includes the reason for that is obviously your processes will be streamlined, and of course your shipping will be streamlined too because you only have to buy one kind of uh, of mailing uh, envelope. So this this all looks good. Now it's very competitive. There's a lot of people doing it. So that's the downside of it. I would say that's going to be on a lot of those things. But if you price well, I think if, and if you offer the free shipping, like I think you would in this case and get your, your, uh, listing and your, um, shipping processes and photographing and so on all down, I think that this would be a good, good, uh, avenue, but just go through, get rid of your stinkers and, and bulk them up and sell them. And then, you know, focus on individual. The money is in the money in, in this case is in individuals. I mean, uh, you know, anytime you, you, um, are a, a farmer, whether it's clothing or whether it's CDs or whether it's postcards, what you wanted to get into the habit of doing is buying large quantities for as cheap as you can get. And then basically, uh, taking all the good stuff and, and selling it at market and the rest of it, bulking it up. That's really kind of the model. Okay, let's see if I have another one here. Okay, the next question is, let's see here. I am a high-volume clothes reseller focusing on men's clothing. Okay, so similar to what a lot of us do. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. And the question is, should I get a warehouse or not? I have a large garage that is free of all junk and don't park my cars indoors. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. I have employees and I want to make sure that I have enough space to grow. Okay. 
this is, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before in the past. I, I think it, uh, you know, if you are in the clothing market and this person is, uh, you definitely are going to need a warehouse at some point, especially if you have employees. And the reason why I say that is because if you are at your home, unless you have a large room that can fit multiple people, you don't want your your inventory nor your employees to take over your home. And also, in, in my case, and actually I've been thinking about this too, can I wall off not, or probably lock part of my house so that if I'm not there, that I don't have people walking in and out of my house. Now I realize these people are probably trustworthy people um, because you're hired them. Right. So obviously if you have a brand new employee, you're going to probably want to watch them a little bit closer. Or if you have a family friend, that's going to work for you. That's fine. But, but the point is that you want to keep them secluded from your house. So that's, so that's the first thing I would say is, can you do that? If you can keep them kind of locked off from the other part of your house and remember you have, that means you have to have a bathroom and the, and the main office and the garage in your case, um, accessible, but the rest of your house would not be accessible. And I would say, um, you know, uh, who, who else is in your house, right? You know, if you have a, a wife or kids, um, in this case, this is a guy. So if you have a wife or kids, um, you know, do you feel safe having people that, uh, uh, you don't really, I mean, you know them, but you know, maybe when they're new, you wouldn't know them. You, are they safe in your house? So I would say, that would be a major consideration in my case, you know, obviously you know that I'm not going to have a warehouse, uh, when I move, um, I can do that. So I have a whole area that's just basically a garage office and a bathroom. And then remember you need a bathroom because you have employees. You don't want them going into your house to if they have to go to the bathroom and you can't expect them not to go to the bathroom. So, um, I think you need to look at that and see what the setup of your house is. Um, and see it, what's kind of safety things you can put in place. Cause you realize is that eventually you are going to want to go, um, uh, on vacation. And when you go on vacation and your and your employees at your house, do you want them rummaging through your stuff technically or, or it, that could happen? Right. So think about that. Now, in your case, since your clothing, I would say you were going to need to scale, um, beyond the size of your garage. Now, even if you say, okay, I'm going to do, you know, polos and shorts, as you know, this person didn't say that he just says men's clothing, but if you say polos and shorts, you know, yes, you could probably fit a, a larger quantity, but ultimately you're probably only going to be list, uh, listing probably five to 7,000 items that will fit in your garage. Cause you're just going to run out of space. Otherwise, now, if you go floor to season ceiling, let's say 10,000 at most, and maybe that's a large enough store for you. Um, obviously I like the idea that you're saving on rent, uh, of a, you know, warehouse, um, I would say you might want to look also is, is that if you do, you have a storage facility near your home, I mean, very near your home, uh, that might also be because you don't want to be going back and forth, but a little bit, but you could put slower moving inventory in the storage unit. Um, anyway, so I would take a look at that. And then of course, the big question is how much is it going to cost for you to have a warehouse? So I have a warehouse here in Massachusetts and my warehouse is $525 a month. I've talked about this before. It's bigger than a regular garage. It includes an office. I have uh, facilities uh, here. I have a, uh, a bathroom, obviously that's a shared bathroom with the other tenants, but it's still a bathroom and I have a loading dock and all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of good things I have, but it's only 525 a month. And if you look at the cost of what it would cost to get a storage unit, which is probably about three in my area, probably about $300 a month. Uh, wouldn't be nearly as big. Uh, number one, number two is, is that I'd have to go, um, back and forth between uh, my home or 
I guess my warehouse, if I had, if it was for expansion, I'd have to go back and forth and that's movement. And I really only, it's only $200 savings. So obviously for me, it didn't, doesn't make sense. And, and if, if $500 or, you know, let's say 500, 500 to $1,000 is a great deal of money for your business at this time, then for sure I would avoid it. So I would say, I would look at those factors, you know, what, again, what are you paying? Right. That, that's not in this email. But I'm just going to guess it's going to be anywhere between five hundred and a thousand dollars, and that's actually for you know warehouse grade, um, maybe with a maybe with an office and, and a bathroom. So I mean that's a thousand dollars probably, maybe even more than thousand dollars. But if that's a big deal for your store, uh, then then I would um, not do it yet. Now I see you only have about thirty five hundred items in your store, so you are probably well within staying within your home. I would say you know, stay as long as possible in your home. Uh, 3,500, if I were to guess the sell through rates, probably let's say 10% at most, you're selling 300 items a month or 350 items a month. Um, and an average profit of let's say $15. So you're really only talking about 5,000, what's it? $5,250 of profit a month. That's, that's a, that's a good clip. Now that's a, you know, just off the cuff math. And that's the, the $15 profit is uh, taking your costs out, your eBay costs and shipping costs and all sorts of stuff at a time. So that's similar to what I was making when I had 3,500 items. So I guess I would say is what's the percentage, um, that you'd be paying of that into a, a, a you know, some kind of warehouse. And if it's a thousand dollars, that's a pretty significant number. So I would avoid it for now. Now, if you want to get to 10,000, 20,000 and more, you know, we talked about this last week um, about, uh, you know, a, a eBay seller that has 100,000 in their inventory and it has a huge warehouse. Um, you know, if that's where you want to get, you know, go for that. But um, you're going to definitely need space. Remember, you could scale just about anything with people. All right. All right. So that's it for that. The last subject I'm going to talk about is Q4. So as you know, uh, eBay sales go way up in the last quarter of the year. And that's, uh, I mean, obviously it's going to really be impacted about what items you're selling. Now, new stuff has a tendency to sell more than old stuff during Q4. Now, if you're for, especially for clothes, for instance, for the last example. Um, but if you're in the collectibles market, you know, it's supposed to be fairly even throughout the year. They don't actually go through the cyclical nature that you would normally go uh, with clothing. Um, so, because people do buy uh, antiques and and uh, and collectibles and things like that for gifts, because even though they're not new, right? But I guess the point I'm saying is you need to start bulking up on what you have now, right? You need to be able to sh make sure that by the time September hits, which is right around the corner. Uh, really, it's really October, November, December is Q4, but it really starts in, in September. Um, you got to make sure that you are fully stocked and listed. So it's not, it doesn't make just sense just to buy and then put it in the warehouse or put it in your home and just sit on it. You want to start listing them now. Um, even if you could list them very, very quickly, you want to list them now, you know, because obviously, you know, dead inventory that's sitting in your in your home is not doing anybody any good. But uh, you want to make sure you're fully prepped, right? So you're going to see the sales start to, um, to go up in probably, let's say the second week or maybe, yeah, probably the second week of September. And it's going to last all the way through December, maybe even bleed into January, depending on the economy. 
But you need to be thinking about that now and you need to start sourcing and you need to get stuff in your possession. So what I used to do in this time period, and I, I'm not doing it now because I, I decided that I'm going down the collectibles route, but um, what I have done in the past is I ordered uh, bulk inventory you know, at a lower margin, but I ordered it just to kind of get eyeballs in the store. So the idea really is if you get eyeballs in the store and people start buying even on low margin items, that what happens is the traffic, the eBay sees, it hits the algorithm and then they start pumping your other stuff. So it, it, it seems to work that way. It worked that way for me last year. Of course, eBay doesn't publish this, but uh, nor do they even talk about it really. But the reality is, is the more you're willing to do sales and negotiate and get the right inventory and do enough listings and all that sort of stuff is going to really kind of impact your Q4. So just start bulking up and start listing even more than normal. Okay, that's it for this week. Thank you very much. Now remember, next week I'm not going to do a podcast. Um, uh, you know, obviously, if you have any questions, please send me an email via my website, and I'll be glad to answer them. I don't. I won't wait uh, for the podcast. I always answer the emails first, and then I just if I if that's good uh, content, I'll bring it to the show as well. So please reach out. Obviously, um, you know, look at the sponsors and if they are good for you, go ahead and use them. Uh, you know, they help support the show. And other than that, have a great week and um, have fun selling. Talk to you soon. Bye. This episode has ended, but your journey towards turning your reselling hobby into a business doesn't have to. Head on over to oldfashionedmike.com for more information and tips on running a successful reselling business. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Until next time.